Okay, this next song is for the LAPD. We got arrested the other night at Blackie's for playing punk rock music. They called us nuisance in public or something like that. Anyway, they put us in jail and this song's called Revenge and it's for them. It's not my imagination! I gotta go to my back! Come on, let's go, let me come back! We're gonna get revenge! You all know it! We're trying to be screwed! Don't tell me about what Don't tell me what I'm getting! Why can't they abrupt? Just around the corner! Hi, welcome to episode 89 of Talk About the Passion. I'm your host, Christian Campagna, and on this episode I talked to my friend Kevin Grant about the band Black Flag. This is Kevin's third time on the podcast, and most definitely not the last one. We recorded this quite a few months ago with no uh, real outline, just basically an open discussion about the band, how we got into them, their records, uh, the 82 demos, uh, the many connections to skateboarding, and much more. I'll, I'll let the I'll let the episode speak for itself. I had fun doing it. As for me, I have a few new episodes already either done or scheduled, so that's fun. And uh, as for Kevin, his band Wirelines just released an EP called Walpole Here We Come, which, yes, is a play on the Smiths' Strange Ways Here We Come, which you might not pick up on if uh, you're not from New England. Walpole uh, is a prison about uh, 10 minutes from me, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, of course, they cover two Smiths' songs on the EP, and there's two originals. It's only available as digital right now, but if you follow them at Wirelands, Wirelands 1 Bandcamp, uh, that's Wirelines in the number one. You can find out when the physical copy is available. Great band for sure. If you want to keep up with the podcast, I update the Instagram and Facebook accounts of the podcast regularly. Just search for Talk About the Passion Podcast and you should be able to find me. Also, if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button where you listen to podcasts. This is a relatively long one, so I'm going to weed myself out of your life right now and let you listen to the episode yourself. This is Sitting Here Like a Loaded Gun, episode 89. Thanks for listening. So I'm here for the third time now with uh, Kevin Grant, and uh, we talked a while about a while ago about uh, doing an episode talking about uh, Black Flag. Uh, so that's what we're doing here. So uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, and also, you know, thanks for kicking my ass to get back into this. because I haven't <laughs> done one of these in months and, and you just messaged me out of the blue and where it's like, let's do this. And uh, so, yeah, cool. Yeah, happy um, to be here as always. Yeah. I listened to uh, a bunch of episodes of uh, the You Don't Know Mojack 
oh yeah podcast over the last couple of days to sort of get back in the uh the mode of that and that's definitely a highly recommended to the listener uh that podcast if you want to like really go deep on uh you know black flag and of course the whole sst catalog and those guys are doing the lord's work by you know listening to you know 11 zoogs rift albums in a row or, or whatever they have to do and at some point there's you know like 27 greg ginn records that, that are going to happen that are probably no fun <laughs> but uh yeah those guys have uh an abundance of enthusiasm that i will never have yeah and, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> and they're true truly on a suicide mission yeah yeah i know i mean i i can't think of a i can't think of a label that would be more painful to do a podcast episode of every release on than yeah. sst yeah which is funny because there's so much great like there's amazing. so much great stuff for sure if you took like the top you know, the top 3% of the albums the labels put out, mm-hmm. that's like, that's like a great job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah. to talk about those <laughs> records. Uh, yeah. Some of those other ones, not so much, but. Yeah. I don't envy them. Um, so as far as uh, Black Flag, when, when was the first time you, you heard them? Uh, the first time I heard them was uh, like a lot of bands with me. It was an escape video um santa cruz speed wheels put out a video that was really groundbreaking because it they they were a santa cruz is a skateboard company um they predominantly are known for making skateboard decks but they also had a really good they have really good wheels that they made right and um a lot of companies in the 80s you know you would ride the wheel for whatever deck company you rode for so if you skated for alva for mm-hmm. boards, you rode all the wheels. If you right. skated for GNS, you rode GNS wheels. Mm-hmm. But Santa Cruz were smart in that they would sponsor these guys on the other teams. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was like they had the they had the deck team, but then they would have these inroads to every other company. Right. And it was kind of cool. It was a very smart business move because, let's say, some other board company is promoting their big guy. Mm-hmm. But he rode for Santa Cruz Speed Wheels. They were getting a piece of his action in a way. Oh, uh, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they had this massive team, and not and not all deck companies made wheels, or if they did, their wheels might not be very good. Right. So they had this massive team of guys on all these other different skateboard companies who rode for them, and then they they took that um, to another level by putting out a skate video of their wheel team. So it was okay. just the dudes who rode these wheels, mm-hmm. which was like this outlandish number of people. It was like right. 70 pros or something. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them were the best, the best around at the time, but also mixed in, there were some really obscure guys and the Santa Cruz company, I believe they had at least three videos where the soundtrack was strictly SST bands. Oh, okay. Um, I think Streets on Fire, Wheels of Fire, and Speed Freaks. And Speed Freaks is the video I'm talking about. Right. The whole soundtrack was SST. So it was, you know, Firehose, Black Flag, um, you know, wh- whoever was on there at the time, Dinosaur right. Jr. Um, and that Speed Freaks video, because they had so many riders, uh, the reason I bought it, because I was a kid with not a lot of money who didn't live near a skate 
shop or anything. So I would always get the longest things that I could find. Right. And this was a video that was like 90 minutes long, which was also pretty crazy. Yeah. And um, so I got 90 minutes of SST music and I was 13 years old. Yeah. And it was a total cross section. I mean, like mixed in with Black Flag would be like Blind Idiot God or right. just like, you know, some of the some of the stuff that they had in that label. Um, because it was well into Greg Ginn's kind of like, I'm just going to sign everybody that I, <laughs> right. that I meet. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of stuff on there that I never would have been exposed to, but the first black flag songs I heard on there, it was all later era black flag mm -hmm. because in 1989, they were still sort of like releasing music from the end of black flags career, even though yeah. they broke it up. Right. Like they had, they had some weird, um, like three song cassettes and stuff that had come out after in my head and after they had broken up. So, um, in my head is on there. Mm -hmm. Um, annihilate this week is on that video yeah. all later era stuff. Though. Yeah. And <laughs> that EP was weird. That what was, it? I, I can see you. Yeah. I can see you sticking and kicking and sticking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing about this video though was that it wasn't clear so you watch the whole video and there's 500 million songs on it right and then and then at the end in the credits it says featuring the music of and just list the bands oh that, yeah so you had no reference as to who sang what right and and there were also some black flag like kind of sounded like bands like blast was on there oh right who you know a lot of almost all of blast sounds an awful like a lot, an awful lot like the later era, you know, Black Flag stuff. Yeah. Um, so I knew I knew I was listening to Black Flag, but I wasn't sure which songs were Black Flag and whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, a year, probably a year or two after that, um, I was in a a record store and and I was looking at cassettes and I was like, oh, it's the Black Flag section. I know they're on that that skate video I really like, and I know they have a great reputation. And so I'll just buy whatever cassette has the most songs uh, for the money. Right. Because that's how, like I, that's how we did everything sort of. Yeah. So yeah, like of if I had, you know, if I had a chance to buy a new skateboard, it didn't matter that I was five foot seven and in seventh grade, I was going to get the longest, biggest skateboard <laughs> I could because yeah, it was the same price as a smaller one. And I could wear down the tail, wear down the nose, and it would last me longer. Well, the same thing, like if I if I had, you know, the chance to buy a record and I was at, I was in Boston for once or Providence for once with my parents and I could sneak into a store, I was going to get something with the most songs. And um, so I was looking at everything went black and I'm like, whoa, there's like eight, <laughs> 18 tracks on this thing. Right. Maybe yeah. even more, 28 yeah. tracks. Yeah. And the last track, crass commercialism that's like 17 minutes long <laughs> you definitely get your this money is money. like a gold mine yeah like i can buy this for like eight bucks and <laughs> have all this music so i did yeah um but it was weird that that was my first real introduction to them because first off it was nothing like the stuff that i'd already heard by them right that later stuff and and then it's just such an odd album because it's really you know it's like a couple dozen songs but 
a lot of them there's three or four takes of the same song with different right. singers on yeah and it's also very it's it's all very unfinished yeah. you know it's it's like kind of mixes right off the board or whatever i, right. I don't think they even you know i don't i don't know that even if mastering was even a consideration back then but it's all yeah. real rough around the edges yeah. yeah and um i didn't know what to make of it i i at the time i was really wrapped up with that cassette i, I became obsessed with that cassette and with um at the same time the jam's greatest hits oh yeah which are kind of like <laughs> almost opposite albums yeah yeah because the jam is very poppy and melodic and yeah. black flag is really um especially everything went black it's just so it's so kind of meat and potatoes but at the same time uh when you think about it and you really dive deep into it and listen to it you're like these songs are so simple you you almost question if the band even knows what they're doing like or has any musical background like any of them but then when you really think about it, you're like, wow, these songs would be really kind of hard to play. Yeah. You, even from the very beginning, they have these sort of stutter steps in their rhythm. Yeah. Um, so like, especially in a lot of the bridges in that early stuff, Yeah. they'll do these weird, um, it's like a weird, like, like literally like a, a rhythmic stutter. Yeah. Where everything's in four, four time and then they'll do a bridge and they'll just throw an extra beat into the bridge. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's so counterintuitive and just weird. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of hooked hooked me on them. One because I I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh, is this? You know, this is just so so basic and kind of um, primordial. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, the, these guys have to be really good to hit these weird things that they're putting into the music that don't yeah. have to be there they're they're deliberately putting these yeah, yeah. kind of uh like booby traps into that and it, and it's it's a it's a trap as a listener and also as a player and as a musician yeah gimme 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 need some more gimme 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 don't ask before Thank you. 
and he, and he wasn't playing Greg Ginn, the you know guitar player, is not playing three chord stuff like the Ramones and this. You know, it was definitely yeah, because because I was already listening to like the Sex Pistols and the Dead Kennedys and um and the Ramones and those bands all in a way were sort of this you know they were sort of proficient in, yeah. in a weird way like you know um those guys all had great guitar players yeah it was it was very um it was very focused like it was very you know they weren't like these um virtuosos who could play anything right but for, but for what they did they were really good oh, they, yeah. could, they could probably do what they did better than anybody yeah um but Greg Ginn, um, he was like that in a way. But it, but when you hear those early recordings, it's hard. I think once you hit the song like Revenge, uh, Revenge is the first song that I heard. It's the first song in sequence on Everything Went Black yeah. where the, the guitar playing is absolutely just undeniably oh, yeah. great yeah. and really unorthodox. Just yeah. every chance he gets in between like it's not even bridges it's just in between the little sections he does these like squealing yeah these little fills and stuff and they're great yeah yeah and and, and despite his reputation as being this sort of discordant um like an acid jazz guitar player or something mm-hmm. they aren't at all like they yeah. they really work it's like yeah yeah um, just a sh- like shredding st- <laughs> shredding stuff really yeah. good yeah definitely um, yeah that's that that song uh, one of the things I was thinking of talking about too at one point here is, you know, what songs in, in their catalog that you think sort of encompass their, just like, you know, what Black Flag's all about. And, and Revenge is definitely one of my, at least the, the version that's on the, uh, is that on Jealous Again? Or, uh, yep. one, yeah, with the, you know, it's not my imagination. Like just when that starts and then when that kicks in, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, uh, yeah that and then uh, on the run on the the tv party uh seven inches just sort of like an underrated song the way that kicks in with the, the bass and then just kind of the guitar when that comes in you just you want to fucking throw something out the window you know <laughs> yeah and, and they have so many moments like that and even um you know it's uh so in the lead up to doing this podcast i I was, gra- I was, you know, going on Spotify and just hitting shuffle for the yeah, whole catalog. That's what I did too, yeah. And you'd be really hard-pressed to think that you were listening to the same band. Yeah, yeah. From track to track. And yeah. uh, and that's a strength of theirs, I think. A lot of people hate that about them, and they have their favorite era, and that's all that they think is good. Right. And um, but, there are, but there are sort of common there are common themes that go all, all the way throughout. And one is those weird rhythmic stutter stops. Yeah. Um, and that, that happens from the very earliest recordings all the way up to, to in my head. Yeah. Sometimes it would, it would, sometimes it would be a weird time signature across the board. Like, you know, they, they legit played despite all the metal bands in the eighties, naming things like the, whatever waltz. Right. Black flag actually had waltz songs. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, um but then just they would they would do these things where they would lock you into a kind of um classic rock and roll beat like uh like wound up um on, oh yeah uh, i think it's yeah. on loose nut yeah and and you know it's this Flip four it. four beat and then they have a five count pause yeah 
which is so it's hard to listen to must have been so hard to play yeah. but all the way through their career with all the different people they had in that band that was something that they always maintained yeah. and i i have to kind of believe that it was um with greg ginn being the only constant it had to be either his sense of humor or his sense of spite yeah or both right where he's just like i i want to make this not as listenable as it can be <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because i can do that yeah and what are you going to do about it right or right. i'm going to make this as hard i'm going to make this harder to play than it should be mm-hmm. for the same reasons yeah. it's it's funny that i'm going to make my whole band count in their heads <laughs> to five yeah. yeah every time that this part comes around right <laughs> testament to their you know they they talk about how at least when rollins was in the band they, they did these marathon uh practice sessions you know like eight hours a day for, mm. for you know weeks at a time and uh, were they doing that early on too with when they had i get the impression they kind of were uh, yeah because you know keith morris put put down as one of his reasons for quitting was their their uh work oh yeah, yeah was too work, much yeah. for him yeah. Which <laughs> that might have not have been saying much at the time. <laughs> I but, know, right? Yeah. But still, but you know, I mean the cir- the circle jerks record he made also must have required a lot of pre- I mean, if anything, oh, yeah. that that's even tighter and crazier. Yeah. Yeah. The faster. drumming on that record is amazing. Um, but I I have a feeling that they were doing that just these long slogs that were um you know, pretty tough to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the practice space, you know. Yeah. I wonder where that came from, too, where, you know, you hear, you know, Ginn was a a dead fan, and, and so you would think 
you know, these sort of like military <laughs> rehearsal sessions are the complete opposite of that. You know, even though they, they did, you know, improv improvisation sort of later on, but. Uh, yeah, I think, I think um, in, in, a, in a way you're, you're right, but also in a way like I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if I heard that the Grateful Dead like jammed yeah. for eight hours a day every yeah. day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you could call it practice or you, <laughs> yeah. you, could, you know, right. I think, I think in both cases there was probably, you know, massive amounts of weed. Yeah. Yeah. And in an eight hour session, maybe 90 minutes might've been productive. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just kind of guessing about things. Yeah. But. You know, I, I I feel like them at their tightest was around um, the the eighty two bootleg demos. Yeah, yeah. When they existed as a five piece, and um, I don't feel that for all their marathon practicing and all that stuff, I don't feel like any of the um, the studio albums of the live footage or anything like that from their later years shows evidence of that. Yeah, Do doesn't yeah. mean it wasn't happening, but right. You know, I I just. I don't know how productive those practices were yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, let's go through nervous breakdown again, guys. 11, yeah. 11, I know we've done it 11 times today. but uh, Spe Speaking of which, before I forget, uh, yeah. the, the drummer who plays in the nervous breakdown 7-inch, yeah. uh, Brian uh, Migdahl, yeah. he's posted a bunch of videos in the past few years on YouTube of him playing along with the early black flag songs. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. And they're absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely oh. incredible. Yeah. And uh, he, let me, let me look real quick. Uh, so from 76 to 78, he was their drummer. Yeah. Um, the only drummer they had who can match that length of time is Robo. Yeah. And considering that Black Flag wouldn't didn't even put him in the liner notes for the one official release oh, right. he played on. Yeah. But he's on half of everything went black. Right. And and wrote those weirdo drum Yeah, parts. those beats. Yeah. Um if if anyone listening has a chance to watch Brian Migdal in his garage playing along with uh Jealous again and gimme, 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 and all that stuff. It is absolutely so awesome. Yeah. You yeah, have you know, to look that up. So good. Yeah. So so you so you hear this, uh, so you buy everything went black, going back to that. Yep. Um, and then you so then you you so what what year is this near year? 1990 probably yeah so they're done so you, you never got to oh see yeah them, yeah no yeah. no i was yeah. too little they broke yeah. up when i was like um i was probably 10 years old when they broke yeah. up yeah yeah but i, I uh sorry go ahead no as you say i saw them a few times but i think i was you know i, I again i loved them but i think i was in that camp where i was like you know what the hell is this instrument you know like right, they, right. they would open with those like nine minute instrumentals and right. they would bring these bands like you know i, I saw him with saint vitus who 
you know, when I think about that now, that's amazing. But yeah, like back then awesome I was like, now, but... yeah, but back then I was like, I, I, I'm at these shows because I was kind of bored with metal. So I wanted to, right, right. and that was like so slow. And, uh, just, I don't know, to me, it was, it wasn't fun. And then like right. Tom Tricoli's dog and, you know, stuff like that. And, but, uh, yeah, so so you you get that record, and then do you you start buying more of their stuff from there? Not not right away because um, I have this thing where if I if I really if I discover a record from a band and I really really like it, mm-hmm. there's there's times where I have, uh, purposefully avoid buying anything else by them because I just don't want to be disillusioned or let down. Yeah. So I did that with Black Flag, and yeah. I you know i i love that record i knew they did a bunch of other stuff um it wasn't until i was uh 1993 i, I was a freshman in college um i bought um i bought damaged yeah and um and didn't really like it more than everything went black yeah i i feel like uh it's a really weird record because all the songs in that record were written by the band as a four piece. Right. But they're played as a five piece. Yeah. But it's like, they never got a raw, got around to like writing a second guitar part. Right. Yeah. So it's. And, and I feel like Rollins voice is really blown out from like touring and he's kind yeah. of like a young, overly eager guy trying to make this band happy with his performance, but yeah. really he could have really, uh, they all could have benefited from giving him like six months off or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think they went right from tour into the studio. Yeah. His voice. I mean, he sounds like a dude, like he sounds like a, you know, pubescent blown out voice guy on it. And the, the guitars don't benefit from having that extra guitarist. And I think that, um, you know, if, if there is, a running theme about black flag it's kind of that they were a a tragic band in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um you know i feel like they kept trying to make this first lp yeah with keith morris with ron reyes with des cadena and then they finally make it with rollins they have this extra guitar player who's kind of like this um um unnecessary appendage because they hadn't right. written anything for him yet. Yeah, yeah. And they have this young guitarist, but they rush into the studio because they've been trying to make this record for so long and they right. just couldn't make it. Yeah. So they rush in and they make it anyway. And it's nowhere near as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And then the next album that they should have made and would have been incredible is I think one of the, one of the great um, unmade albums of rock and roll history and it's i don't know what the name of it would have been but it's right. what the 82 demos were yeah yeah and they they were writing parts as a band that had two guitarists there were two yeah. separate guitar parts in every song yeah and they had one of the greatest drummers ever in the punk rock hardcore scene with chuck biscuits yeah and those demos are a um um what's the word i'm looking for it's like the shroud of Turin. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it allude it alludes to the face of what this album would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think everything that in a lot of ways, everything that followed 
from that point forward with this band mm -hmm. uh, was sort of a reaction to the failure of that album never being made. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, um, they go from that and they, they lose their bassist, they mm -hmm. lose their second guitarist, they lose their drummer. And rather than replace those people, the idea is that, well, we never needed them anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So we're not going to replace the guitarist. We're going to have one guitar in these songs because right. we we never needed a second guitar anymore. Right. And we're not going to replace our bass player. We're going to have our one guitarist play those bass parts. Right. Because that old bassist, we never needed him anymore. Right. Yeah. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to really shoot for the moon with this major label deal <laughs> that we've secretly been really hoping for for a right. long time. Yeah. We're going to go back to this house recording guy who's not that good. Yeah. And our house studio, which is also not that good. Yeah. And we're just going to bang this thing out and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And it ended up being what it is, which, which is awesome, but yeah. only a, a shadow of what that record was going to be. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that material that they wrote at that time, but what would have been that record, you see those songs on My War, on Slip It In, I think a couple of them end up on in my head, or I might be wrong yeah. on that. Yeah, I think Modern Man is on that. Definitely. Yes, yeah. Sorrow, modern man's 
so I, I feel like that, that collapse at that point of the band, which had to do with the, their legal problems uh, from signing to Unicorn Records in the first place, which was because they wanted their first album to be a major label album. Right, yeah. That collapse led to the second collapse, which led to them um, doing... And when I say them, I really mean Greg Ginn doing right. every, yeah. every, everything out of spite from that point on. Yeah, yeah. You people quit because you couldn't take it. I don't need you. Right. We're just going to. So you have you have this demo recorded under shoddy circumstances with the way it should have been done. Yeah. And then you have studio versions done in substandard studios with a lineup that was not the lineup that this music was written for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's my that's that tangent. Yeah, and and one of the main things that sort of you know is part of the the whole mystique of this band is is obviously the artwork on the albums and and of course all the flyers that uh, Greg Ginn's uh, brother Ray Ray Pettibone did, Um, and, and and I was and then the lyrical themes have this sort of you know dark sort of just Charles Manson, you know, anti-hippie type thing, and just this weird sort of burnout thing, dark themes. But then they throw TV party and six pack on, you know, right, on right. The, especially on that record because I think lyrically that record is like perfect. Right. But then with those two songs on it, it's just kind of, and those songs are fine. But I always think of like uh, the song six pack that had different lyrics more serious lyrics it would be like a monster because of the music yeah, yeah. that's not great I, i've heard um members of of the band uh speak about the songs as being like like a positive like oh we had a sense of humor and it's like yeah. well yeah um it's so off-putting against your other lyrics right in other songs and uh yeah, I, I don't feel like they they ever gel and like the the um the opening bass line to six pack is yeah. one of the meanest things ever yeah. written. Yeah. Yeah. And then you make you make it this goofy song about <laughs> yeah. like beer or yeah. whatever. Um and and one thing too that you know, one one thing that I think sets Black Flag apart is that um, you know, the majority of these songs, the lyrics were written by Greg Ginn. Yeah. And I don't ever feel that he was like role playing. Right, right. I, I feel like in a lot a lot of punk bands or whatever bands, for better or for worse, they'll either take feelings they have and exaggerate them, right. or they'll put the or they'll put themselves into somebody else's mindset. Yeah. You know, like Jello Biafra will write kill the poor because it's right. the opposite of what he yeah. believes. Or yeah, exactly. Whatever. And I, I feel like Greg Ginn's lyrics um were legitimate and and for better and for worse uh, i think the honesty is the better part of it is that he was being very honest about how he feels about the world i think the worst part of it is a lot of his uh worldview is um truly not the best yeah there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of uh pure negativity and misogyny and um, paranoia and and vindictiveness. And and I think that vindictiveness um, is is a very real thing with him. And I, 
I think that that carries from the first album where he refused to credit Brian Migdal on drums. Yeah. All the way until his progression where he was no longer really working with any humans yeah. with his music. Yeah. 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 Except for except for himself. Yeah. And um when I I got to the uh you don't know Mojack podcast episode about um the process of weeding out. Yeah. And they were talking about how it's a double entendre, the name of that. It's right. um, yeah, you know, the process of weeding out, it's like a, a, a marijuana reference, right. right? Yeah. But I I was thinking about it more because if you look at their recording history, yeah, that was the first session he did where he had, and I mean Greg Ginn, right. where he he had abandoned working with a lead singer. Yeah, yeah. And from from every session on, he started working with fewer and fewer human beings. Yeah, yeah. So he started doing all of his Black Flag instrumental albums, and then he went to Gone, and then he went to working with drum machines in Gone. Yeah. And then he worked to eventually, Gone was just him on guitar yeah. and bass with <laughs> drum machines. Yeah. And so I looked at it, maybe if he didn't even intend it on meaning that, I think subconsciously it was the process of weeding out human beings. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just, you know, and I think that that was a process that started from day one and, yeah. and the, the lyrics are about that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm getting rid of all you people. Right. You don't, you don't understand me. I don't need you. You're all against me. Yeah. And um, I think that's, that's very much what his philosophy has been in, in music and in business and in lyrics or whatever. Yeah. And um, as much negativity as can be cast upon him for all that stuff, it, it got him to write those songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I know. Yeah. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. Great songs. Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, and he, you know, and he was pretty angry early, early on too with, you know, when they changed the lyrics to, uh, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Circle Jerks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or not? Not at all. Yeah, is it? I don't care. The one where they they you bet we've got something personal against you. Oh right, right. That's yeah, the yeah. one I think what they said was about Keith Morris, and it was a rewrite of one of the yeah, because he had um supposedly well a couple of those early Black Flag songs Keith Morris wrote the lyrics to yeah, and then he he took them with he took the lyrics with yeah. him to the Circle yeah. Jerks and they wrote new music yeah, which whatever that's fair game as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they weren't, they weren't on totally unfriendly terms right. either. Yeah. Like yeah. they did, uh, they did, uh, the decline of Western civilization mm -hmm. and, um, Penelope, Penelope Spiris wanted him to sing, even though he'd already left black flag. She wanted him to go back with black flag just for the footage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he talked to them about that and they were like, no, no way. And they somehow worked it out. Right. Like, I don't think they were ever on really hostile terms in right, person, right. but yeah. You know, um, what do they call him? Like uh Bob Epstein or something? Yeah. On everything went black. Oh yeah, Johnny Bob Goldstein Johnny, or yeah, something. Yeah, Johnny like Bob that. Goldstein. Yeah. Which I think was uh a way of them trying to out him yeah. as being Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. which he wasn't ever hiding. Right, right, yeah. But, you know, they, and they, you know, and they have um, Ron Reyes as Chavo Pederist. 
and you know they don't it's like what's wrong with you guys yeah and they were talking about that on the mojack podcast where he you know he had moved up to vancouver i think right uh, and then he went and bought that record and he sees and he goes oh you know thinks that they <laughs> someone, someone else on this right nope that's me <laughs> it's like you you know even if you have like a bad falling out with a former band member yeah you don't do that yeah I yeah. mean, for God, crying out loud. It's like <laughs> so beyond the pain. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many of those sort of cringy moments in their history, but they they kind of also just make the band what, what it is. And, and, you know, oh, for sure. Because like, like I said, stuff. it's like, um, you know, it's almost, it's almost like, and I hate to say it, but it's almost like walking the walk yeah. as well as talking the talk. Like yeah. there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of uh, hardcore bands where it's all about being betrayed and right. paranoia. And yeah. you've, turned, you've turned your back on me. You've yeah. turned your back on the scene. Right. Well, very few of them is that really like taken seriously or like based on reality. And yeah. With Greg Ginn, I think it's 100%. I don't think he was ever faking it or, or like oh, fronting. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, he really, yeah. he really went for it. Uh, yeah. But um, I'm sure that's a little consolation for the people who had to do business with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, on, so on my war, um, that's also the first one where they, you know, this is the famous side two, which is this, you know, sort of Sabbathy. Uh, this dog, my dog. Can you see my dog here? He's <laughs> yeah. been jumping all over me. <laughs> um, but. Uh, were you a fan of that? I mean, we'll talk in a second about uh, you doing that record, but were you a fan of that stuff when uh, you first heard that that side of that record? The, the first, you know, the first time I had heard uh, any of those songs was um, on the Who's Got the Ten and a Half live album. I had a, okay. somebody somebody burned me, burned me. <laughs> somebody made me <laughs> made me a tape of that. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I knew a lot of those songs. I knew some of them from like skate videos, whatever. Yeah. And uh, when I was living in Boston, my roommate at the time was a couple of years older than me. And uh, he had like this great record collection. He had that record there. And I was like, um, I was like, dude, how, how's this record? Like I still was locked into like um, everything went black. Yeah. yeah. And, and damaged. Right. And he's like, He's like, oh, it's incredible, but everybody hates it. Yeah. He's like, side two especially. He's like, good right. luck. Yeah, yeah. So I grabbed it and listened to it, and I was like, oh, this is like really weird. I didn't really, I, I, I liked it, but I didn't really get into it until um, a couple of years after that. I was, I was at home, and I have a few albums like this where I don't, I don't understand the album. But then I have it on as background music and I'm like reading a book or doing yeah. something and suddenly it hits me and I'm like, oh my God, this is like <laughs> a massive record. Yeah. And yeah. that I had that moment um, with my war. Mm -hmm. I, I was sitting in my, uh, in my bedroom at my parents' house. I had moved back home for a little while and um, I probably got two thirds of the way through the second side of uh, my war and I, just couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so weird. And I, yeah. you know, to this day, I consider it one of my favorite albums ever made. Mm -hmm. But I would understand people not liking it. Yeah. 
because it's really hard to wrap your head around. But it's it was such a brave, you know. That's the other, the another another uh, running theme with Black Flag was sort of their bravery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They they never <laughs> made the same album twice. Yeah, they always were doing things that would that they had to know were going to alienate their base. Yeah. And side two of my war is just so off the rails. Yeah. It wouldn't have even been that bad <clears> if they had just mixed those songs and with the songs that are on side A. Yeah. I know. Like right. they could have they could have gone yeah. every other. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, could have yeah. gone my war into nothing <laughs> left inside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that would be a, yeah, that would be a into forever time, into uh three nights or, or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, but they didn't. Yeah, they're, they're like, no, it's gonna put three songs, <laughs> three 10 minute songs on side B, and they're just gonna basically kind of be the same song. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that that bravery is also something that you have to really respect, because I, I think on a lot of levels, they would have been uh, as much as they're held in a high regard. Now they'd be held in a higher regard by the, uh, the punk and hardcore dopes of the world. Yeah. Had they just made damaged seven times. In a row. Oh, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, but they didn't. They, yeah. they were very, very brave. And, yeah. just, you know, they knew what they were doing. They knew they were going to alienate people. But, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't care about them. Yeah. If they had done that. Yeah. I, exactly. would, I wouldn't care. Right. That's always my least favorite argument with, you know, a lot of people with, with bands. And, you know, and it obviously doesn't work a lot of times, you know, like Metallica or something, you know, right. you know, granted yeah, I mean, this other thing and it, and it wasn't very good, but. There are I, bands that also can, can make the same record again and again, and I'll always care. Like yeah, S- yeah. Slayer. Did yeah, that. Slayer did that, Motorhead did that. Although ACDC. Some, yeah, ACDC, the Ramones, kind of. But yeah, that the, the my first uh, experience with that was, there was that compilation, uh, called um rap music for rap people there was, yeah. there was three of them and one of them had scream on it oh, oh, yeah. it was a, a, a live version where he's like what happened to henry i'll tell you what happened to henry or whatever and it's literally just him scre- you know screaming right. the entire time and uh and then when i heard the the, the one on the album i was like oh, this wasn't as good because just the recording of that album is definitely weird and uh, very weird I almost wouldn't want to hear them, those records remixed, you know, as much as like it would be kind of cool, but also that's sort of the the charm of of that record is uh, how just heavy and sort of muffly it sounds. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk that the uh, original masters on a lot of those records um, are damaged, (laughs) no pun intended, um, to the point of being unremasterable yeah which could could well be true um but i actually asked dukowski recently about the 82 demos mm-hmm. and he seems to think that the original tapes not only exist but that they were only ever played in order to make cassette copies for the band members huh. And so they've never been played. Right. But he he's not sure of anything else beyond that. Right. Um, I wonder how those were sort of leaked out to the, the world, because it's that it seems like something Gin, you know, probably was frantically on the phone when he found out people heard that, you know. 
I'll, re I'll read you what he wrote me. He said, yeah. uh, it was a two-track master or multi-track two-inch. If they still exist, talking about the tapes, yeah. which, which they probably do, then it's about care. There was some chance the cassettes were made direct from the multi-track. I doubt they've been played much, if ever, after the cassettes were made the morning the recordings were completed. In any case, the real question is getting the rights to release it. I would imagine that if SST wanted to release that recording, they would. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, that like that's the that's the holy grail of, of unmade records. Yeah, yeah. And it it could it could be cleaned up, but again, you know, I say that about the My War album is probably uh that's probably the one in the most need of also like a yeah. remix and remaster. Yeah. Slip it in isn't as bad, loose nuts yeah. not as bad, and my war isn't as bad. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's he hasn't shown any um, you know, he's got a ton of bad brains things. Right. Yeah. Um but I, I don't, you know, there's been no interest shown in trying to do like box sets or remasters yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I know I was kind of bummed that the uh, those SST records uh, won't get reissued, but with the, the, the ones that Bad Brains have been doing with their own uh, label there. Yeah. And I think, a nice uh, job with those. well, uh, to that point, so Bad Brains are re releasing all their back catalog. Yeah. And remastering them, et cetera. But the SST stuff isn't there. Yeah. And um and when they did their greatest hits CD mm -hmm. uh, a while back, they were masters taken from like original, like they had mastered it off of like uh first pressing vinyl. Right, right. So they, they didn't even have the masters <laughs> for that. You know what it's I mean? Crazy. Yeah. So they listed in the liner notes, they're like, oh, here's the turntable we used and we captured right. it, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, he either doesn't have them anymore or they're just completely useless. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. who knows? It's crazy, right? The bat, like that record, the Eye Against Eye record. So, yeah, SST had that, the live record, and then that 10 inch live uh, record. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was um, Spirit Electricity. Spirit was Electricity. 10 -inch. Yeah. And then just the straight up one called Live. Yeah. yeah. And then I Against Die. Yeah. But they also did some HR stuff. Oh, um, yeah, they did. Yeah. A yeah. bunch. And, and those records are incredible, too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good should records. Also be remastered yeah. and re released. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and everyone involved would be laughing themselves to the yeah. bank. I know. Like, yeah. what's that's the problem? The, I know. That's the thing with a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, so your, your band Gaskill uh, covered the entire My War album a while back and, and recorded it and called it our war with the covers a little bit different on there uh how, how did that come about we uh we were pre uh, presented with the opportunity to play a show in new bedford down here and they were the whole premise of the show was um you know something that happens at halloween a lot but this was not a halloween show right where it was just um original bands picking another band and doing uh, a set of covers yeah so my idea was to play the entire uh my war album from start to finish yeah and we brought in a second guitarist we were a four-piece so we brought in the second guitarist um who would 
specifically be playing all the Greg Ginn leads. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's a big fan and he, he gets it. He can mm-hmm. do it. So, yeah. so we did that. And one of the other bands that we played with uh, uh, was um, the overclock orchestra, which is a friend of ours, Brian Cass, who's uh, like a long, long time music guy down here. Um, he, uh, he was recording at a studio in Middleborough and he's like, you know, why don't you guys come in while these songs are fresh and just record that? Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll do it, uh, you know, for free and uh, whatever you do with it, you do with it. And yeah. we were like, yeah. all right, well, that's incredible. Let's do it. So we yeah. did. And for me, it was, um, you know, I felt the whole point of it. It was like, we were trying to be, we weren't trying to put our own spin on it. Right. But at the same time, we weren't trying to like be totally faithful. Yeah. Like I wasn't, you know, going to go in there and try to do a Henry Rollins impersonation. Right. Yeah, of course. But my thought about it was, is like, you know, here's this record, uh, songs written for a five piece recorded by four pieces, um, never really recorded in a real studio. So let's play it as a five piece in a real studio and at least like do that for it, like that much justice. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, So that was that we never put out a physical copy, but um, the label that we were working with at the time, put it out Mm -hmm. um, online and it's still available on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, But it was interesting for me too, because I had never like, dealt with recording covers um that would be up online or anywhere else so i want right. to do it by the books yeah so um there was some reaching out to black flag people to make sure that you know they were gonna get paid if we made any money right yeah of course which we didn't so it wasn't yeah. an issue but right. uh but I, I wanted it to be like you know on the up and up so yeah yeah but it was great it was a great experience it was it was not easy yeah yeah, and, getting uh, into that, like, so sort of digging into that music and the lyrics uh, must have been, it's always fun to cover, you know, bands like your your current band, Wirelines, did a Smith set a while back. And that's, there's so many levels to that band, lyrically and musically, that it's uh, it's fun to pick stuff apart when you're putting that stuff together. So that must have been cool to do these, this, especially this record. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was a very immersive thing. Um, I. I don't know that I've listened to either the Black Flag album nor our own album that we did covering it uh, in their entirety since then. Yeah, yeah. Because you just, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you dive so deep in it for so long and it's like, I never want to hear this again. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then after, so after those records, uh, and my Warren is slipping in with those two were recorded in the same session. Is that right? Or around the same time? Is that what I think? Was? I think my war was recorded first, but a few months later, they did slip it in loose nut and in my head. In one That's session. what it was. Yeah. 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 Those and yeah. and uh, process of weeding out. Yeah. And family, and man, family and man all yeah. in one session. Yeah. Which is so crazy. <laughs> Do you listen to those, uh, the, the instrumental, the process of weeding out? Because I didn't like that at the time, but maybe the last 
three or four years, that record just the that the process of weeding out sort of clicked with me as well as the the family man uh, instrumental side yeah. has uh, clicked with me. I'm like, oh, this isn't as terrible as I remember it being. No, I I, li- I like I like those I like those records. I don't like the um, spoken word stuff on them that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's aged very well, but no, no. Um, but I do think that the weird the weird sort of um, like you know free jazz stuff on it is really interesting yeah nobody's ever done anything like that and it it's just very it's very strange and, and good in its own way yeah like there's moments on it where it's just it's just great i i wish i i wish i had more of it memorized or i'd, I'd drop track track names but um, right right yeah there's parts of it that i really do appreciate yeah I, it's not like something i throw on all the time but when right, I do, right. i'm always like yeah, this is kind of awesome. Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, um, and then when we were talking about the process of weeding out, I when you were saying weeding out people, I always thought it all oh, it meant you were talking about the musicians he's worked with, but I always right. thought it was like fans, <laughs> the fan base, like that too. Out fans, that too. And, and that's always I, been something. Yeah, I think it's a, a weeding out of humanity, not yeah. just <laughs> yeah. in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, um, and uh, then the live '84 record. Which was a cassette only thing, which I, I love that that live record. I think that's uh, and that's sort of that, that's when I saw them when I first saw them, and when I listen to that now, and I think of how little I was probably paying attention at the you know because I was fourteen years old and I was probably yeah. in the pit or whatever and just like yeah black flag, but when you listen to it now and there's this you know nine minute instrumental and then nervous breakdown, right? <laughs> it goes right. back to you saying earlier where it's like. It's nine different bands, you know, and then when you listen yeah, to like a live set, it's, that's what you hear too. It's crazy how, um, you know, like the, their early stuff, like Nervous Breakdown and and Revenge and Gimme, 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 like that stuff to me is all very much like um, early 60s garage rock. It's like uh, like Question Mark and the Mysterians yeah. or um, Sam Sham and the Pharaohs. Right. Or, you know, it's it's all very like, um just kind of down in the dirt uh simpleton rock music yeah which is yeah. amazing yeah and it but i think it was clearly that you know it's yeah. it's wooly bully it's yeah uh, definitely it's it's all that stuff and um and then the fact that they were able to go from that but it was all through like this punk and hardcore filter yeah or at least presentation yeah. to go to like these weird like uh jazz freakouts. <laughs> yeah and then like uh you know prog metal at yeah. times yeah um but it was all the same band in the course of 10 years yeah uh it's just incredible yeah it's it's totally incredible and way underrated and maybe maybe underrated just because they did so many wildly different things that it's hard for a single person to appreciate all of it yeah, yeah. because if you like x that they did you're gonna really hate y and z <laughs> yeah exactly you know yeah. what i mean yeah i um, think there's definitely different types of black flag fans too there's like people like us who sort of not celebrate but you know are sort of into the whole thing the whole trip right but then there's the people that are like you know i only like the keith morris era and you, right you know and to me i'm always like there were, there, those early eras aren't really eras there's just there were little blips of Right, the band sort of finding themselves, and 
but you know, but and I, they are, they're great singers, obviously, and all that stuff is great. But I think when Rollins joined, they sort of congealed into to what they, what they I did. think of them as. And, I, and yet at the same time, I, in some of their later albums, I see uh, glimpses of them acknowledging not only their early past, but stuff that, that predated their early past. Like um, uh, so that song, uh, Out Cold. Mm-hmm. is that it or out of this world oh, out of this world out of this right world in. yeah that could have been like a jerry lee lewis song <laughs> yeah. or like a little richard song yeah you know? yeah and um and there's a few songs like that on their yeah. later records that are just straight up barn burning early 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 rock and roll style songs yeah yeah which when they started out they were like a early 60s garage band this is like an early 50s like yeah yeah like you know um so that that was their strength and also again they were a self-crippling band all the way along the line that yeah. that was not going to make them any fans yeah but it was going to it was going to make them a band that people want to talk about forever yeah yeah and then sort of going on the theme of him you know wanting to sort of piss people off or just do things out of spite the la- the, the the loose nut record famously they the artwork of that i think that was a loose nut one where they they just kind of took raymond's artwork and sort of threw it all together it wasn't really his vision of what he wanted the album to to look like and then the next record or the you know the then 30 years later whatever he releases this uh what the (laughs) record with this album cover that just sort of uh it, well, it, it baffled you know everyone, and I've gone back and listened to the record a couple times now over the, the last few weeks, and it's not. Te- I mean, it's not the mu- the music on it is some of the music on there. I'm like, this sounds like this could have been on a record in like after Damaged, right? You know, right. The, 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 and Ron's uh, it's Ron singing on that record, right? Right. Uh, isn't terrible, but it's definitely it's weird to think like if you think of the albums in order in my head and then that record uh but i would never purposely listen to that one I don't know. no no it's really uh it's something else yeah i i i don't even know what to say about yeah. that record yeah i mean you know it if you look at if you look at uh the sort of uh, tracking of mm-hmm. Black Flag's music and Greg Ginn's dealing with people, and then then that that record is probably where they would have landed in that year. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's like listenable or nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's you know it's a it's a crazy town record. And yeah. It, yeah. There's no, I feel like there was no voice of reason right. standing in there. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what happens sometimes when you um, go like mega solo. Yeah. Like yeah. you just, you know, you're not, you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. And um, there isn't really a touring band that's writing these songs together or right. anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to just, you know, go into like a Howard Hughes territory of just yeah. 
weirdness. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what that record is. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I don't I don't see another good black black yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Right. And um I could see a good flag album of yeah. original material happening. Yeah. Yeah. But their court ordered that they cannot <laughs> ever, ever record under the name flag. Really? Okay. You know, they can't do it. <laughs> um, they could record, they could record an album, but it would have to not be called flag. Right. Like Black Sabbath did with Dio. They did that heaven and hell. Yeah. Record. They could, they could do it legally, but not as, not as flag. That was right. part of their uh, agreement. Yeah. Which is, they should probably do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I no, didn't I, have, see them, I haven't seen them. I didn't. But I've seen that video from the, the Moose Lodge video. I think it was their, yeah. their first. There's a lot of great. Amazing. There's a lot of great footage out there. They did a show in New York City too. Uh, that was uh, had a really high quality. Yeah. Uh, film crew there for. I mean, yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Just yeah. fantastic. And Keith Morris has lost very little. Um, over the years, it may be nothing easy. Yeah, yeah. It was cool um, to hear him do like my war and, and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Stuff you never heard him do. And they're and they're playing like in a way, it's this fulfillment of like that lost '82 record. You've got yeah, two guitarists. Yeah. yeah, you've got everybody's going for it. They're all on the right page. Yeah. Um, I would love for them to make an original album. Yeah, and call it whatever you want. I don't yeah, know, call it yeah. you know Captain Kangaroo Band or whatever right. the hell. Yeah. Who cares? Everyone will know what it is. So. Yeah. And that band um, was Keith Morris, Bill Stevenson, Dukowski, Stefan Eggert, the yeah, uh, Ascendants guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Des was, was yeah, Des Cadena. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and Des was singing some of his yeah. songs, like American yeah. Waste and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And how about uh, Black Flag? Did you see them when they came through? No. Nope. Yeah, I didn't either. No. Nope. Um, I thought about it. They played in New Bedford. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've, especially when it came for like the, um, the recording of the, uh, the Gas Kill record we did of the Black Flag songs, I, I reached out to, um, I spoke to Dukowski a bunch and I mm -hmm. spoke to Valeli a bunch and I spoke yeah. to Rollins a little bit. Yeah. Because it was new territory for me and I didn't know yeah. what you had to do to like, it, apparently I was wasting my time because right. you can just cover whoever the hell you want. Yeah. They can't do anything about it as long right. as they get, they get paid. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I emailed with all of them mm -hmm. and I've known Mike um, through skateboarding a bit yeah. um, for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. He, he's an incredible skateboarder. Um, yeah. I feel like his whole thing with black flag has not been handled well. Right. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't see them making a record. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't. Right. And yeah, I don't, I don't see myself going to any of their shows. Yeah. 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 I was uh, wondering about that as a, as a skater, as a longtime skater, where, you know, when you heard Mike Vallely was uh, sort of part of that camp as a, as a fan of him, as a skater, uh, and he he had other bands too before, didn't he? Yeah, he had a, yeah. a band called Revolution Mother. Yeah. Um, he has a he had a band called Mike V and the Rats. Yeah. Um, he actually opened for Black Flag in one of his old bands in yeah. 1986 or whatever. Oh, okay. 
he's he's a great skateboarder yeah uh, groundbreaking and and still is sort of breaking ground mm -hmm. um as an elder statesman yeah in skateboarding these days uh but i mean i i i, I think it I, you know it just should have never happened yeah yeah you know it's just totally crazy yeah yeah it, it's not a good look for anybody involved so yeah yeah definitely um so to sort of end this um i think we little mentioned this a little at the beginning but so if someone wants to get into black flag and you have to give them a tape that has you know three songs isn't really enough but what, what three songs do you think would sort of encompass black flag that would that could suck someone in i would say uh revenge with keith morris um from everything went black yeah my war from the 1982 demos mm -hmm. and um out of this world from in my head yeah yeah, yeah those, those be, that'd be my three piece yeah yeah that's a good or may or maybe instead of out of this world uh wound up from loose nut yeah yeah is that loose nut or uh slipping in oh maybe yeah it might be slipping yeah yeah Nice. Yeah, yeah. Wound up is is, is is one of my favorites, definitely. Awesome, man. Well, this is cool to uh, yeah, definitely to talk about this. Uh, thanks for doing this, Kevin. Of course. And I will uh, talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. Later on.
Rise! 